0: All right, joining me for this one is David Miller, new assistant coach at Xavier. David, really appreciate you taking some time to join the podcast here. And I want to start out with you're from Manhattan Beach, California. So I have to ask, what's your general take on Cincinnati so far? How are you liking this weather?
1: Man, so... I've been with coach for obviously seven years and uh, Ryan Reynolds for that same amount of time. And I've been hearing about Cincinnati since I was 19 years old back in 2010. So I feel like I already know the place. Um, Heard about Skyline, La Rosa's, Montgomery Inn. Um, So I feel like I already know the place, but so far so good. Um, I've kind of explored downtown a little bit. We've been really busy with recruiting and everything, but Uh, obviously the weather's not Manhattan beach or Tucson, but, uh, it's been okay so far.
0: It is a little weird how much the people from this area love this area. It seems like you've experienced that firsthand already.
1: No doubt. I feel like I've already been a Reds and Bagels fan because of, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Brian Brigger, obviously coach is a big Steelers guy. Um, but no, I, you can tell that, you know, People from Cincinnati take good, great pride in the city. And obviously, they love Xavier. It's been awesome. All the fans that have reached out on Twitter and everything. It's an awesome fan base. And obviously, we're used to such a good fan base at Arizona. But from everything I've seen, it's the same here.
0: We're going to talk a lot more about Xavier and what's going on currently. But I want to start with some of your background. Your dad was a longtime college coach at places like USC, and Arizona State, and Texas. He also coached in the NBA for the Hornets. How did that experience growing up shape your life given that you chose to go into the the family business, so to speak?
1: No doubt. I mean, um, it's been everything for me. You know, I, I grew up in the gym. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona when he was at ASU with Bill Frieder. And I, I've literally grown up in the gym, you know, and It's been great watching him, the good and the bad things, you know, with his career and being able to kind of follow that. My brother and I, like my best memories growing up, were going to practices, you know, and I was about 17 or 18 when my dad got the job with the Hornets. And that was Chris Paul's first two years in the league when they were in Oklahoma city. So flying out there to spend a week with him and just being around the guys, you know, like rebounding for Paige Stoyakovich, And, you know, I mean, obviously having a dad as a coach, there's some hard parts about it. You know, you're always traveling and whatever. And he was tough, you know, he's a tough uh, dad, but it, it built me into who I was. He was a hell of a recruiter. Um, I like to take pride and, you know, the, recruiting side of things as an assistant coach and just building relationships, you know, but yeah, I mean, all the biggest things in my life have all been like, you know, my dad's career he was at USC the longest. That's why I call Manhattan Beach, my hometown. And just watching him and those teams, they went to an elite eight with uh, Sam Clancy, who obviously is a Ohio native. Um, just, just watching him, watching the coaches he's worked with great guys like Kermit Davis, you know, Henry Bibby, Bill Frieder, all those guys. He's worked with some unbelievable dudes and it, it's helped shaped me as a coach.
0: I have to go back to the point God, real quick because you're a pretty young guy when you first saw Chris Paul. To see him still playing at this high of a level in the oh, NBA yeah. playoffs, it's gotta be unbelievable for you.
1: No, it's incredible. And like CP was like the best dude in the world. Like we he was young, obviously. It was his rookie year. And uh, when my brother would come out there, like we'd go bowling with him, you know what I mean? And, and my little sister, she's 19. She's a uh, broadcast journalism major at ASU. He's always been super gracious with his time with her. And, and like anytime we see him, he'll give us a big hug. But it's funny to see him. I, I think he was only 21, you know, when we first met him. And now he's still doing the same exact things at the highest level. So it, it's been cool to watch. <laughs>
0: Give us the scouting report on David Miller, the basketball player who played two years at El Camino College.
1: Uh, The lanky lefty, right? I'm about six, three and a half. I couldn't shoot. You know, if you want to kind of pigeonhole me or get a player comparison, Rajon Rondo. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Big time passer, high IQ, coach's son, right? But I just couldn't shoot, man. I couldn't shoot. Um, I've... uh, I take good pride in defense, you know, in doing all the little things. But, yeah, the biggest thing is I took pride in passing. A uh, big assist guy, uh, can guard multiple positions, you know. Um, I'd like to think that I would be a guy that could play for Coach Miller. But, uh, yeah, he likes his guards who can shoot a little better than me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you then went to Arizona and majored in English, and then you got a master's in education. Was there any thought of being a teacher, or was that more of about yeah, sure. a possible administrative role down the line?
1: No, I mean, I grew up, you know, watching my dad and, and watching the, the profession. It's tough. You know what I mean? It's not the easiest thing. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do while I was playing. Um, I obviously knew I wasn't going to play in the league. Um, and then, you know, it kind of hit me my last year at El Camino. We had a coaching change. The coach uh, that recruited me um, was no longer there. And I really liked him a lot, Coach Fennison. And it, it kind of made me, you know, I had an okay experience in high school with basketball. Um, and it made me say like, you know what, I want to be a guy who gives these players a great experience. So I, I looked into coaching and then, um, the one connection my dad was able to make was he introduced me to uh, coach Miller and, uh, I got the bug working for him Man, he's, he's a true coach's coach. He loves all the great things about basketball, huge practice guy, the process, the process, you'll hear that over and over again with him. And so I went to Arizona as a student manager. Um, and at that point, you know it kind of flipped from me wanting to be a teacher. I want to teach and coach at, w- at whatever level to just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Uh, got along with the players, love working guys out. And uh, that's where the coaching kind of grew in my heart instead of going away from the teaching. But I love I love to read. I love books. So that was where the English came from. I'm a pretty good writer. Um, but yeah, once I got to Arizona with coach, it completely changed the basketball
0: you mentioned how you got introduced to, to coach Miller, but how did that relationship continue to grow? Cause you've been with him for a long time and obviously him bringing you yeah. to Xavier says a lot about how much respect uh, and trust he has in you.
1: No doubt. I mean, um, I'd say I was, a I was in a little different situation when I came in as manager. Cause you know, I played a little bit and, um, I was comfortable on the court. Um, and so it just kind of rebounding, you know, and being around at practice, but my big thing was, um, I got close to some of the guys on that first team I was with. So that would have been 2010, 11 with Derek Williams when we went on that huge run uh, guys like him and Kyle Fogg. Um, I just get in the gym and pass with them all the time, you know, cause there's rules on working out when you're a manager or whatever, but just shooting with them and everything. And I think coach kind of took notice. And then um, it kind of grew on visits. You know, I was around all the recruits and, you know, making sure everything went well and I'm a people person and, got along with some of those guys. And I think that's where coach kind of grew his trust in me, you know, like I was good with the players. They trusted me. It was good to have someone on staff that could relate to them because obviously I was younger. Um, but little by little, he gave me more responsibility and, um, that kind of parlayed into my graduate assistant's job where I went straight after, um, three years as a manager to a graduate assistant. And, um, that's kind of where our relationship really blossomed once I got into that bigger role.
0: But then you left and you came back for a second stint with Coach Miller at Arizona. You were then the Director yep. of Recruiting and Basketball Analytics. That's a newer role, a role you're seeing become okay. a lot more popular in college basketball. What is that role like? What are your main duties and how much actual recruiting are you allowed to do as a director of recruiting?
1: Great question, Rick. Um, because of COVID and the um the initial rules and in that role, it, it changed while I was at Arizona. So I went from being the director of ops with Coach Pasternak at Santa Barbara and Coach Miller kind of envisioned this role for me at Arizona where um, I could do everything except recruit off the road. Right. So I wasn't allowed to be on the court um, because of the NCA rules and the four accountable coaches. But I was able to uh, text recruits. Right. Um, couldn't make uh, calls, initiate calls. Um, but I could text. They could call me. They could Facetime me, and um, it it, it kind of started with the international um, connections that I have, and just reaching out via WhatsApp with um, kids that I've heard about. And then um, obviously I'm a West Coast guy, but because my dad and my mom are from the East Coast, I have connections all over the place. Just reaching out to underclassmen kids, right? So like if this we we're creating a 22 class, I'd be texting the 23 kids and just developing relationships with them. So when they came on campus, they're like, Oh, that's coach Miller. I, I've talked to him a ton of times on top of the assistant coaches, but really it was a role that he saw where to get creative, right? Um, like, I kind of tag team once it got to the point where the kid and I had a relationship kind of hand them off to a guy like Jack Murphy or Jason Terry, where it was really a collaborative effort. But, yeah, there's so many limits on the spot. Ryan Anderson, you know, will be in this spot here at Xavier. Um, But really, it was just developing relationships with the younger recruits, Um, you know, keeping my eye on the transfer portal and just going from there
0: when i asked around about you hearing that you were going to be the new assistant at xavier i heard a lot about you had strong west coast ties and strong international ties are there any other areas that you really like to work in recruiting and also with the international ties uh, can can you take us into that a little farther like how do you develop international ties
1: yeah yeah so um I love recruiting Phoenix, you know, in the Arizona area, especially the prep schools out there. We recruited Phoenix very heavily at San Jose State uh, during my time there with Coach Miles. Um, Las Vegas, deep, you know, rich talent at at all those high schools out there, Gorman, Durango, et cetera. Um, I have connections in Texas, all over the place. Um, My dad's from Pennsylvania. My mom's from Massachusetts. So kind of those prep school areas um, in the Northeast. Um, But, yeah, the international thing – It kind of started when I was at Alabama with Avery Johnson. I was in the director of player development role and um, just kind of, you know, there's a lot of people that have helped me. Um, Mike Schmitz, Jonathan Giovanni, who worked for Draft Express. Mike Schmitz went to school with me at Arizona. Um, But just more or less just, you know, making the right connections with people over there. Um, Germany, Serbia. I mean, coaches uh, resume speaks for itself with the international players we had at Arizona. You can start with Dusan Ristich, Lowry Markinen, DeAndres from the Bahamas. And then this current class that we had, um, this second go around Ben Matherin, Azulis Tubelis, Kirk Creasa. It's just, you know, the biggest thing is just reaching out to people over there, talent scouts, coaches, whoever, and um, kind of getting a feel of the younger guys, you know, They look at it differently than us. It's uh, overseas, it's the year they're born. So we say like, if we're talking recruiting Rick, we'd say, hey, this kid's in the 23 class. They'll say, hey, he's 2002 born or 2003 born. So kind of just getting used to the uh, younger guys, like the under 16 FIBA tournament and kind of following them until uh, it's time for their recruitment process. So just kind of digging in. Sometimes it's completely random, you know, like Tibet Gorner from Turkey. Um, he came out to Santa Barbara to do workouts and, uh, I know his trainer very well. Um, and that was the connection there. So sometimes it's just kind of random, like it is over here with, uh, domestic players. Um, but the more players you get, the more success you have with guys like, a uh, Kirk Reese in Estonia, a guy like Ben Matherin, who we get from the NBA Academy, um, that then they trust you, they see it. And it's, it's a lot easier to get players that way.
0: Are international prospects an undertapped market right now in college basketball, or is it just difficult for a lot of schools to really get a read on on those types of guys?
1: I think it's uh growing rapidly if you look across the board even in the big east right now there's a lot of schools who are really tapping in and taking the time uh the nba academy the guys that run it have done an unbelievable job kind of growing that making it easier for college coaches to to get access to some of these best players they have one in uh, mexico city um right now uh, san luis potosi actually um they have events there where they'll bring out the teams from the nba uh, academy in africa And they'll fly out. So they're all in one place. Um, And so I think that's making it easier for assistant coaches and head coaches to kind of target those guys. But, yes, I do think it's untapped. I think there's so many players across the world that are unbelievable. And a lot of times you're watching film, you kind of watch and say, hey, the competition, right? Sometimes they're playing against grown men. Sometimes they're playing against guys that might look like you and me. Um, so kind of getting over there and developing connections and seeing everyone face to face is a big thing. But um I think the more and more every year that goes by, I think it's becoming a lot more popular because of guys like I keep bringing up, like Ben Matherin, right, who was under recruited. No one really knew who he was. He goes to the NBA Academy and it's Arizona and Baylor and the rest is history, you
0: know. Uh, j- just to clarify, coach, unlike yourself, I'm a walking bucket, so. <laughs> them playing against me might might have been pretty stiff competition, but uh, I, I want to follow up. One of the hardest things to do in this industry, in my opinion, just from what I've gathered, friends that are in coaches or friends taking trying to take that step from support staff to coach on the yeah. bench is making that jump. How were you able to do that at San Jose State last year? Yes,
1: yeah, so I give a ton of credit to uh, Coach Miller and Coach Pasternak. Um, I did not know Tim Miles. Um, he did not know me. Um, there's a uh, mutual respect between coach miles and coach Miller. And, um, I was kind of, you know, I didn't know what to do next. Um, I had planned on staying with coach for as long as he was going to be at Arizona. So it wasn't like I was looking for other jobs and, uh, coach miles got the job at, uh, San Jose. And, um, I reached out to him, didn't hear back from him called coach Miller said, Hey, can you, can you, uh, shoot a call in to 10 miles? And then I, I, I kind of blew coach miles up with some of my, um, west coast connections a you guys that run big time programs and they all called at once and uh coach miles called me back i said uh, coach miller had great things to say about me um Co- coach miles had a couple of coaches uh former assistants at nebraska and other spots and uh to make a long story short within a week um i was hired we had two zooms i never flew out to san jose i was still in tucson and um I owe a lot to coach miles. Uh, he gave me a chance, you know, he put me on the floor, um, for the first time he put me in a recruiting spot. He made me the recruiting coordinator, uh, put me in charge of the offense there, uh, later on in the season. And, uh, I owe a lot to him. Uh, he's an unbelievable dude. And I, I I've been saying this to people, everyone in the business should work for someone like Tim miles. He's someone who trusts people, gives them a chance to grow. I, I, I wouldn't be in this position at Xavier with coach Miller if I wasn't able to, you know, get on with coach miles and do the things that I was able to do with him.
0: So here you are, you've got this really good relationship with Sean Miller. At, at what point do you find out he's getting back into the game? He's coming back to Xavier. And how does that process go for, y- for you from that point on? Did, did you expect to be on this staff once you heard he was going to be the coach at Xavier or uh, what was that process like?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Rick. Um, you know, Coach and I talked a ton um, during the season. He always checked in on me, you know, seeing how things was going. He'd watch some of our games at San Jose State. Um, yeah, but I did not. It wasn't some long thing where I knew I was going with Coach. It was, when I say it was surprising, I know we have a good relationship, a great relationship, and I know he trusts me. And I felt like if he got a job, he would definitely call me at some point. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it kind of came from out of nowhere. Um, he called me. And, I mean – I love Tim miles. Like I just said, loves working at San Jose state, but it's Sean Miller. You know, he, uh, he's a hall of famer in my book. I, I was 19 when I started working for him. Um, there was, when I said I didn't have a choice, I mean, it's a no brainer, you know, especially at a place like Xavier that I feel like is built for a guy like Sean Miller. Um, but yeah, he called me and, you know, he said, I'd like to, I'd like to take you with me. And um, we had a couple conversations, but yeah, it, it was surprising. I I couldn't have been happier for him. You know, I, him being out with h- how he is and who he is. He just loves the game. Loves being around our staff. Loves being around the players. He's a true players coach. Just to see him get this job, especially one in a place that he loves so much and is so close to his heart. Um, it was exciting for me, whether I got the job or not. And you know, I don't know what the specific time frame was, but um, he called
0: me, and and it was quick. You know. <laughs> I talked to Adam Cohen last week and he mentioned that you two have known each other for a while, given some of the West coast ties out there. How close was that relationship prior to you guys joining the staff together? And had you ever talked about working together in the future or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So I, I initially met Adam through coach Pasternak. Um, I'd say he's a mutual, you know, mentor, uh, for both of us. Adam worked for him at new Orleans. I was with coach Pasternak at Arizona and at Santa Barbara. Um, And, uh, we had always, you know, he always looked out for me. He's a little older than me, but he was, you know, he became an assistant earlier than I did. And he, he would always call in and check anytime we played each other. We talked before the games. Um, you know, he, I mean, he's a stud, he's an absolute stud. He has been up for a couple of head coaching jobs out West. I know he's have interviewed and he, I would always reach out to him like, Hey, i have interest going with you coach. Um, so I'd say we were pretty close. Yeah. And, um, again, it was kind of random, you know, I I don't think he had intentions of leaving where he was at. He was in a great spot at Stanford. And, um, I actually saw him at the, um, at the chase center during the NCAA tournament. Um, and we saw each other in passing. I'm like, Hey, I got to talk to you about something coach. And he kind of smiled and, um, we didn't even know at that time, you know, both of us were going to be coming to Xavier. So that was kind of funny. Um, but I've always wanted to work with him. You know, he has an unbelievable reputation not just on the West Coast, everywhere. He works his butt off, man. Like he on the court with recruiting, everything. The biggest thing about him that I've always heard, and I've already seen it through the, thir- through the first three weeks, is he's all about relationships with the players, right? And I think that's something that assistant coaches kind of take for granted is got to get players, got to get players. Your most important players are the one you, you have on campus, And he lives that philosophy. And, you know, we've gotten lunch with some of the guys, but he really cares about the guys we already have. And I think that's super underrated. I've worked with a lot of assistant coaches that are all about the next guy, all about the next guy. And then the most important guys, the guys that are with you, um, they kind of get taken for granted. So I've already learned a lot from him in the three weeks we've been together. And the other guy that I, I already love already is Dante. You know, and I didn't know Dante before I got here, other than I know he played for coach. I saw him a few times on the road, you know, recruiting and would always say hello, but the dude is an absolute stud. I don't know if I've ever worked for someone, worked with someone that works harder than Dante, you know, and being the resident Ohio guy for two guys that you would say weren't, aren't really whatever Midwest, what East coast, he's been awesome with kind of, you know, showing me a young guy, the ropes kind of telling me who to deal with who not to deal with. But, um, he, both these two guys have really, really impressed me so far
0: when you were in the process of, you know, you've got the job, you know, you're coming. Do you start watching a bunch of film on the current team, the, the current Xavier guys to get up to speed on them? Or is it, Hey, I want a fresh slate. I don't want to have preconceived notions about these guys.
1: No, I, I went on synergy immediately and started watching. <laughs> no. And, and, um, didn't really have a, a again, I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but during the NIT, I was watching Xavier just because I had relationships with the previous staff and, um, it just enjoyed watching them play. I mean, that run they went on was incredible. But yeah, I went on synergy to watch all the guys on the team. Um, now that Cam's signed, I can say it. I was in uh, Mexico City watching some international kids, and I saw Cam Craft play. He was with the Skills Factory. He was the only. They were the only domestic team there. And I'm watching this kid. And obviously, when you're you know in the Mountain West, you're not recruiting the same kids you are in the big uh, the Big East. So I'm watching. I'm like, who is this kid, man? He was tearing. He was the best player in the, in the whole deal. And uh, like, he's going to Xavier. Like, Wow. Like they got an absolute stud, you know? So I was familiar with cam. I watched four games of him in, in, in a span of a week. Um, but yeah, the team, I, you go on synergy, you watch everything, right? You watch their made shots, mid shots, defensive possessions. And then obviously I got a good feel watching them in the uh, NIT, but um Love the roster we have, you know, the cupboards definitely not bare and uh, really excited. We, uh, It's been weird timing. We haven't been able to get on the court a ton with the guys just because of the academic schedule and finals and everything. But I really enjoyed like the week or so we had on the court with uh, our shooting workouts and everything with the guys.
0: How do you see your role on this staff right now? Will you be working with the big men or is that all still to be decided?
1: Uh, Still be still to be decided. Um, Coach rotates. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't say that there's one guy who's always going to be with the bigs or the guards. Um, I've had experiences with both and obviously being with coach for as long as I have. I have great familiarity with the drills we do for both the guards and the bigs. Worked with both at San Jose State. Um, Back when I was a G.A. at Arizona, we obviously had some of the best bigs in the country and guards. Stanley Johnson, Aaron Gordon, you can go through the list. Um, but uh, I coach rotates, so we all work with everyone. I think right now I'd be with the bigs if we had a workout today, but we like to spread the well, so it's not one voice all the time. It's it's a mixture.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your familiarity with Sean and his system because he mentioned in the press release announcing your hire that you know his system both on and off the court. How big is that for you that you won't have to spend time getting up to speed on his terminology or the way he likes to do certain things?
1: It's huge. You know, it's a it's a comfortability, you know, that I have with him knowing the drills that we do. I mean, I'm thank God uh, Coach Miles is patient because I'm, I'm at San Jose State for a year and I'm saying all the words and terminology, like you said, that Sean Miller uses, you know, and at Santa Barbara. Luckily, Coach Pasternak has a lot of same, you know, uh, words, similar offense and everything. So that never changed. Um, but just knowing what we do, our offense, our drills and practice, kind of basically whatever coach likes with recruiting, how he likes it to be organized, our recruiting board. So it really is on and off the court. Um, it, when I say it, it sounds weird, but it's really the only thing I know, you know, and when you, when you are in the roles that I was with him, manager, GA recruiting coordinator, I kind of got it from all sides. If that makes sense. I know what he likes on visits. I know what he doesn't like. And I think that's a big thing why he's so comfortable with me is I, I, I know how he ticks and I, I can kind of do stuff without asking him and he knows it's going to get done the way he wants.
0: You guys just signed a transfer in UTEP, Sule, boom. What can you tell us about him? What were the conversations like on the fourth floor of the Centas Center as you were going through that recruiting process? Man, he, he's a guy,
1: you know, from the very beginning. Um, he went in the portal, I think August 6th. I'm very familiar with Sule being out West, you know, coach Cohen was as well. Um, he's actually from Oakland. So he was about 30 minutes from where coach Cohen and I were, uh, this year in the Bay, but the dude has just produced, you know, like you want to, at the end of the day, when you're looking at a transfer production is what matters. Right. And this dude averaged 19 a game for two years. He did – you look at his freshman numbers at USF, you know, and the best games he had were against some of the best teams, Gonzaga and BYU and stuff like that. The biggest thing about Sule that I love is he just loves the game of basketball. Like, he is obsessed. He's always in the gym. He had an unbelievable um, AAU coach and mentor um, out there in in the Bay. Um, and all he would talk about is, man, Sule loves the game. And those are the type of players that do – best under Sean Miller. If you love the game, if you want to work, it's what matters to you. You're going to do well with coach. And he hit it off with our staff. He has an unbelievable personality. He like we would joke, Adam and I, that it's like you actually enjoy talking to him. Sometimes you're on these recruiting calls and it's like pulling teeth. And I'd find myself, you know, on FaceTime with Sule for 15 minutes and not even realize it, you know, Um, but he fits what we need. You know, he's a combo guard. I, I don't think you have to say he's a one or a two. He's he, he, he's a much better passer and creator than I think people get him credit for. And I think he'll have a lot better options, you know, to help him with that, with our guys, like Anunji, you know what I mean? All the Colby Jones. He has more options. He's playing with better players. That's no disrespect to any teams he's been on, but we have really good pieces around him. And I think people are going to be more impressed with his ability to create. Um, but we targeted him really early on, like it wasn't like we were recruiting 50 guys, you know, and um, I had confidence. I mean, the biggest thing is we we played against him, you know, at Arizona. He came in and McHale had 16 points. He has an uncanny ability to get to the free throw line. He gets fouled. If you look at his stats over the course of his career, it's been consistent. And I think that'll translate very well to our league.
0: Switching gears just a little bit, one of the big topics nationally right now in college basketball has surrounded the NIL deals, and it's become a big story within the last few weeks because of some of the things that have popped up. How big of a factor is NIL right now in college basketball recruiting? Is it something that you have to take into account with every kid? Is it more like a small percentage of guys that you have to have that conversation with? Where is it at currently for coaches in your position?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't say it's every kid. Um, I'd say it gets brought up, you know, in, in a, a lot of conversations, I could see it from both sides. You know, it's a very controversial topic, especially in the media and on Twitter and everything. Um, I'd say it's very prevalent. I think it's, it's here to stay. And I, I feel like we, as a, you know, staff, every school in the country is going to have to deal with it and, um, try to deal with it as best as possible, you know, um, I'd say there's some kids that it's very, very important to, and others, it's like, I want to find the right fit. I want to play. Uh, this is a basketball decision, you know, more than a business decision. And, and you kind of go from there. But um, to answer your question, it's getting brought up in, in
0: most conversations. Well, I've been firing basketball questions at you. I know fans are excited to have you here. They're excited to get to know both you and Adam better. So let me finish up with a couple of uh, personal questions. Of What's the best <laughs> show you've watched recently?
1: Um, I got really into Blacklist on Netflix. Um, I, unbelievable show, and there's
0: like twelve seasons of it. That's um, the crazy part—a huge catalog there to get through. Exactly, yeah.
1: it's unbelievable. Um, you know how the writers just can keep going with all these plots, but, um, that, and, um, just finished up better call Saul. I was a big breaking bad, uh, guy back in the day. And Saul was my favorite character on that show. So, uh,
0: watching that has been good. So my brother argues that better call Saul is actually better than breaking bad. Are you willing to go that far?
1: Honestly, I'd say it's a lot closer than people may think. I'd say if I had to give it percentage-wise, I'd say I'm like 51% Better Call Saul over Breaking Bad right now. It's really close, but I'd say based on my affinity for that character, I I might have to go with Better Call Saul.
0: Fair. What do you listen to while you drive? I was
1: the biggest country hater, I'd say, for 22 years on this earth. And I I got into it when I was in Alabama, and it was the only thing I ever heard. Um, So I've gotten into it. I I listen to literally everything. I'd say Um, Our players will get a kick out of it. I I listen to 90s R&B, you know, like a little Casey and JoJo, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, great dance stuff right there. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, boys to men, but I'm all over the place. I listen to literally everything.
0: Nice. And uh, finally, what else do you like to do away from the court? Any hobbies or interests that don't include basketball? (sighs) Um, I'm really excited. I love baseball. So I know the Reds are kind of struggling a little bit. I'm
1: a Dodgers fan, which some people out here might not like. Uh, Ryan Reynolds likes to give me a uh, crap about that. Um, but I love going to sporting events. Um, looking forward to going to Bengals and big Joe Burrow guy. And I know I'm a bandwagon fan, but I'm from LA. So we never really had an NFL team, you know? So I feel like it's fair for me to kind of jump on that bandwagon. Um, I, <laughs> I'll get catch some flack for this, but I love going to the beach. So I gotta find some water, you know, out here in Cincinnati, whether it's a lake or a river during the summer.
0: Yeah, those beaches um, might be a little bit different than you're used <laughs> to, coach.
1: But uh yeah, I mean, I'm pretty laid back. I mean, this is a twelve month a year job nowadays, you know, so you don't find a you don't find a ton of time. Uh, I, I like exploring and finding different spots in the city. I can't wait to go to Cincinnati Zoo. That's on my list. Uh, big animal guy, zoo guy. So, uh,
0: yeah, that's pretty much it. The zoo is big time. We have seasons passes. It's uh, it's a good spot. You will enjoy that. I'd too. say
1: concerts are my favorite thing. So I, I've okay. kind of, you know, my uh, my girlfriend's back in uh, Arizona. She's already looked up the, you know, big time concerts. It looks like we get some really good shows out here in Cincinnati. So I'd say if I had to say one thing, I like doing my off time concerts would be number one.
0: Yeah, anxious to hear your first Riverbend lawn experience when you start going <laughs> to Riverbend. That'll be that'll be good to hear about. Well coach, thanks so much for your time. This is awesome. I really appreciate it no and uh, hope to talk again soon. Thanks,
1: Rick. Appreciate you, man.